Welcome to the Crypto Campfire. They're best served hot, Mitch and the Professor. Featuring special guest, David Leibowitz. Hey guys, welcome back to the Crypto Campfire Podcast. This is the Professor. And Mitch. And today we're going to be talking with David Leibowitz. He is the Director of Partnerships and Exchanges at Everipedia. Before we start talking to David, let's grab that crypto news from the Crypto Gent. Thanks, Professor. Hello, Crypto Campfire listeners, and welcome to the cryptocurrency news in a flash with a Crypto Gent. Bitcoin gold is held captive by whale with almost half the supply. Bitcoin-only exchange CoinFloor now focuses on consumer BTC services. Binance halts trading to resolve technical problem. And that's the cryptocurrency news in a flash with the crypto gent. It's back to you, Professor. Thanks a lot, crypto gent. So we met David in Los Angeles at CIS. We didn't actually get a chance to talk to him too much or record with him. So I'm glad that he was able to get on the podcast and and get a slot booked. And let's uh, cut to the chase. David, what's going on? Welcome to the show. How's it going? Really excited, really happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I met you guys at CIS. Uh, we hit it off right away, and I definitely wanted to make an appearance and uh, just talk to you guys, just like we're around a campfire. Right. Oh, yeah, man. That's awesome. Stoked to have you on. We love whatever PD is doing, and it's, uh, you know, we're all about information and, and knowledge and education. So it's, you know, one, one piece of the puzzle for sure. Yeah, and what's really cool about Everpedia is we're doing so much more than just Everpedia now. Like Everpedia was the start, and it's obviously our flagship product, but we're actually getting into, we're building other dApps. We launched Predict over the summer. Uh, our developers have a stablecoin project going on. So we're really doing a lot, and they all intertwine with each other. It's not like, oh, like all these things are kind of their separate islands. Like we're making it so um, they all kind of, complement each other and work with each other, all these different decks. Awesome. Let's uh, backtrack real quick. And why don't you kind of give people a, a quick rundown on what Everpedia is, maybe the backstory on that a little bit, so we can get the context for people that don't know about Everpedia yet. Yeah, so Everpedia, uh, in summary, in like a really short one word, brief summary, it's a next generation encyclopedia built on the blockchain. Uh, we didn't start out that way. We were Everpedia originally launched in 2015, and it was just a normal website. It was more of a supplement to Wikipedia. So uh, we actually forked Wikipedia early on, and then we have a million more pages on top of it. And a lot of the information is uh, not is content and people and subjects that are quote unquote not notable enough for Wikipedia, but a lot of people are still searching for it. So to give you some more context, uh, early on in Wikipedia's history, you had your deletionists and your uh, inclusionists of editors. The inclusionists believe like, hey, everything should have a page. Uh, if it's a stub, it can be improved. And the deletionists believe like, no, we need to have these strict standards, blah, blah, blah. Around 2010, the deletionists won out and they took over the editing of Wikipedia. And the inclusionists really had nowhere to go. Uh, you actually saw around 2010, uh, the editor uh population of Wikipedia capped off. So it was growing every year for the first 10 years. And then it just kind of, it's been plateaued ever since. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, and you know what's happened since 2010? You've had the rise of influencers. You had the rise of e-slips. You had had the rise of so many different online personalities and memes and so much different stuff going on that people are searching for. They're searching for reliable information, but Wikipedia just is refuses to have it on their site. Um, so that's where Everpedia kind of was born. It's like, why can't we have an encyclopedia for everything? So we really carry the inclusionist torch. Um, I originally joined Everpedia because I just thought it was cool. And I still think it's really cool. Uh, growing up, I love Wikipedia. I, I love music. So I was always trying to read the biographies of my favorite artists. And sometimes I would search for people and they wouldn't have Wikipedia pages. I'm like, what? And so when I first saw Everpedia, I just, something clicked in my head. And eventually I became an editor. Uh, and it made a lot of pages for my favorite musicians and DJs, and I still do to this day. Um, and so it, we were main, we were just a regular website before, and then in 2017, 2018, we started thinking like, okay, how can we how can we really become a next generation encyclopedia? How can we really become a better a better version of Wikipedia? And so we saw blockchain uh, just come 
come about uh, in the news around 2017, 2018. And we're just like, oh, maybe there's something here. And so we did figure out uh, a way to incorporate blockchain in a utility manner with Everpedia. And then in 2018, um, we got support in the EOS community, EOS VCs. We raised money from Galaxy Digital. And then we airdropped our tokens in the summer of 2018. And so our platform has been live for over a year, a live DAP, not just some Vaporwave. Uh, and we have a, a community of editors. You can see, go on our site right now, go to the activity tab. And the activity tab is basically the pulse of the site. And so you just see edits of like all different topics, people editing uh, science Wikipedia pages, people editing their favorite uh, celebrities, uh, people editing journal, like every, everything you can imagine. It's really cool to see. And with the how it works is so it works with the IQ token. So this is how blockchain gets into it. So with the IQ token, editors are rewarded for their edits and editors put up IQ token when they make edits. So they actually have a stake in what they're editing. And so let's say they edit a page, they submit it, and then there's a voting period for 12 hours. And in that voting period, you have uh, the community uh, judge the article, making making sure it's uh, quality content. And if they approve, they, they use their IQ tokens to vote for it and if there's something wrong with it if it's sammy or if there's you know if it's dishonest uh they'll vote to reject it and so if an article is approved then the editor and the and the voters receive newly minted iq tokens the vast majority go into the editor uh, it's an 80 20 split and if the uh, edit's rejected then those tokens are locked for a period of time so that's how the basically the token economics of iq works and that's and yeah, so we still have the same mission, the modern inclusionist encyclopedia. Uh, and I encourage everyone to join and sign up. I love the way that you've utilized the token to provide incentives and also kind of help self-regulate the system. Yeah, I honestly see it like the Everpedia system being a model for more dApps in the future. I mean, you're basically what we're what we see now in the current web 2.0 with Facebook and Twitter. Uh, uh, people are creating all this content, they're producing all this content, but they're not getting rewarded for it. The rewards are kind of just stuck in the centralized entity that is Facebook. Um, but with Everpedia, we're, we're distributing that reward to the community. And like the more work you put in, you will be rewarded. Trust me, like there have been editors that have been doing this for a while now and become like staples of our community. And it's, it's really beautiful to see, honestly. It's really inspiring. So how long ago and how did you get into cryptocurrencies? Uh, I got into crypto in 2017. I mean, like, I've always heard about it. I remember in high school, first hearing when WikiLeaks got all their um, donation, like way they could get donations just cut. They couldn't use PayPal, they couldn't use anything. So then they just started accepting Bitcoin in 2010. That was the first I heard of Bitcoin. And then, of course, like, hear people, like, talk about the Silk Road and stuff and, like, I've like always been like interested in, in Bitcoin and crypto, but like I never fully went into it because I like never felt comfortable with it. Um, but it wasn't until 2017 when I was working at Everpedia. Um, at the time, I was an executive editor. So I was just making pages 24-7. I was just, I basically lived on the internet, always trying to uh, create content uh, that was valuable. And so like being, so then when we started exploring, getting into blockchain, I was just kind of brought around with it. And it was basically like a eight month crash course lesson into crypto. Um, just learning all the ins and outs, learning about all the different characters, uh, all the different um, kind of viewpoints and perspectives that people have. Um, so it started in 2017 and I've been in, in two years and it honestly feels like a decade. Like, Oh my God, right? Yeah, like two years feels like 10 years, honestly. I feel like I learned so much um, between, between between like the media, between like the, how the markets work, between how the technology act actually works, and I mean like between that, it's it's I feel like it's hard to explain unless you're like in it. It you, is. You know? It's really hard to explain. Yeah. I mean, you know, two years. I've been in it almost. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, two years. Yeah, it'll be two yeah. years in January that I've been in crypto, and all that's happened. It, it's like two things. It's like part of it's a blink. And then, you know, yeah. you think, oh, my God, I've learned so much, but shit, I haven't even scratched the surface. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like there's only 
so much you can learn. I feel like it's also have too much information, you know, like (laughs) to make judgments. Like you just have to be, I like just learn how to, I think the one number one thing I learned in crypto is learn how to filter information properly uh, because there's a lot going on out there. Yeah. Um, And it's just, and like what I'm trying to figure out is like, how do we get regular everyday people uh, involved in this and interacting in this? And I think Everpedia is a great start because millions of people uh, visit Everpedia every month and they don't even realize they're using a blockchain product, but all they know is they're visiting a website. Right. I agree. You know, the, the space is just, it's, it's unbelievable to keep up with and it's a lot of fun. It's really entertaining. It is. It is. I don't know about you. I mean, you sound like you were born, I'm going to go out on a limb, say maybe 93, 94 ish, 94, 94. Okay. So pretty good guess there, but uh, you know, CPUs in the brain since birth have, have really gained a lot of terabytes of space <laughs> since yeah, I'd say yeah. 60s, right? I was born in 69. So, you know, we didn't even get a gigabyte of memory, let alone what you guys have in your heads because it's like, how in the hell do you guys retain half the shit you retain? And uh, yeah, processing all this information. I mean, I guess we're just used to it. Like, we're Born, we're born into it. Like I'm, it's if anything, like it feels like the regular financial markets are slow compared to crypto because crypto is twenty four seven, right? And the market can close if there's, um, let's say, if like a president passes or if there's bad weather or if something like that happens, you know. Here's a real quick analogy. You know, back in the day, we used to have these motorcycles that we actually had to wind up and let go. And today you guys mm-hmm. just push a button and they take off. So a little bit different, <laughs> you know, mindsets of back then and now. So yeah, everything's just so so much more instantaneous and everything's faster. And what and there's a lot more. Um, I feel like I like to think we live in like the bot world now, and we live in the bot economy, not just in like crypto trading, but just like on Twitter with all the different crypto bots uh, or like Twitter bots, whether it's in crypto or in politics. Like people don't realize it, but like it's it's kind of crazy how like these bots are affecting the world. Let's go back in time real quick. So we joke about who's Satoshi all the time, right? Yeah. But you got to meet the guy whose real name is Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> I got to know the story about that day. Was he like sick and tired of crypto people, or was it actually an interesting interaction? Like the Japanese dude. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope he wasn't so, Irish, for God's sake. No. <laughs> Satoshi, yeah, so I did meet Satoshi back in uh, BlockCon 2017. I remember when I met him because Bitcoin just near, hit a new all-time high of 5,000, and it was packed in there. Everybody was so excited. Uh, there were so so many different boots, so many different ICOs. Like It was, it was in, this, uh, in, in the airport hangar in Santa Monica. Uh, it was really an event and I was still new to the space. Like it was like, and then I, you know, I looked, I noticed that Satoshi was there and he was really, he was really nice, honestly, really nice dude. Uh, it's just really funny because he kind of just looked shot in all his pictures, but, and like, but he's actually like a, a pretty accomplished scientist. And now like he does a lot with uh, supporting the arts in crypto, which I think is very important, really important for crypto culture. But, um, I remember I, ah, I got to take a picture with Satoshi. Um, and so like I took a picture with him and people thought it was actually Satoshi. I'm just like, no, I have to <laughs> explain it like back in 2014. Like, <laughs> Right. That's true. Right. Before yeah. that guy's face was plastered all over yeah. everywhere and yeah. everybody knew that it wasn't really. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I mean, it's just stuff like that that makes the crypto space a lot of fun between like stories like that, the story of how the Holdo meme came about. I actually made the Everpedia page for the Holdo meme and just, it's just funny how it's just like on some message board, some drunk rant and my typo happens and yep. mean that's so powerful. That's like really like a, like a call for all Bitcoin holders and bag holders and whatnot. Seriously. And then the, almost the best part of it is like all the crazy stories that spawn of how it came to be. Yeah. You know? Everybody's imagination goes crazy and come up with all sorts of reasons why these memes exist when it's really just a little typo, but. It's it's funny yeah. you hear all the different stories on Twitter. And stuff. You can't control how memes come about. Memes just whatever just sticks to the collective unconscious of of the modern world is how memes get popular. Some things could just be so stupid, but like just so funny at the same time. 
Right. Yeah. It's a simplicity. Yeah. Something that we can all like grab to. Some memes, I mean, I'm, I love memes. I'm really big into memes. I share memes all the time on my Instagram. Um, like, <laughs> honestly, like I, I find them really enjoyable and I get a lot of enjoyment sharing them and like having people like interact with them and whatnot. Um, and I think the crypto space is just like a perfect example of like how powerful memes can be. Um, whether it's HODL, whether it's, um, it's just so, whether it's these anonymous meme accounts, uh, on, on Twitter or like anonymous accounts, whether it's like all the inside jokes on Twitter. Um, it's just, it shows like, and shows how fast the memes can be in like, in such like a short period of time and like in such like, in so instantaneously because it's online and, and like on the internet. I'm not sure if I explained that correctly, but does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I get exactly what you're saying. And it's, uh, on the contrary to that, like there's the other side of it too, where their memes are like so bad on an individual standpoint, like Facebook. Let's just look at Facebook, for example. And yeah. basically that's where people get their education these days is like memes on Facebook. It seems like it drives me crazy. It drives me nuts. But yeah. you know, like the stuff that you're all, you know, the, the fun stuff. I mean, that's, I love it so much. I get addicted to them. You get scrolling through and it's like, <laughs> it's like the YouTube rabbit holes, but for memes. And I kind of view Facebook as like a, a slow moving river of content. So like kind of, you see a meme from like a day or a few days ago, like you right. see somebody's right up from a few days ago. Twitter is just like a racing rapid, like exactly. going downstream. So like, it's just like all the content's up to date. It's so fast. Like if somebody, if everyone's talking about someone, like for example, I've seen that, like the guy with a really good hair, George Moult, like all over Twitter, or like the next, the most recent fake Toshi. And everybody's just like, his hair is so beautiful though, but like he's a scammer and stuff. So just like, <laughs> happens so much faster. Like I haven't even, I might've seen one thing about George Moult on Facebook, but like Twitter is just like, that's where like, it's just like speed. Yeah. Twitter is instantaneous and it's, yeah. uh, you know, it shows you the power of the community. But uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of like the beautiful thing about Everpedia too, is like you have that connectedness of the community that really helps bring it yeah. all together. I mean, that's what made Wikipedia so successful. So it's, I mean, it's cool. Yeah, exactly. We have a growing community, a strong community. And what makes Everpedia beautiful is uh, it's kind of like the historical record for all these memes. So of course we have Everpedia pages on a lot of things, but one of the communities we focus on are, is the crypto community. So we have thousands of pages of people, Twitter accounts, whether it's like Brock Pierce or the crypto dog, like they all have Everpedia pages. Um, we have Everpedia pages for funds, for cryptocurrencies. Um, we have for what you name it. So we really try to be the historical record, whether it's like a meme or like something serious, like a cryptocurrency. Like I think what makes Everpedia cool is like it doesn't matter how absurd something can be. Like I think you can find something scholarly about it, and in the future, those things will be scholarly. Like I kind of view it like if you look at music, like when in like the 20s and 30s, uh, when like jazz was first popular, like there weren't any music classes about jazz. Like people were, were just like doing it for fun. And the traditional music didn't take them seriously. But you look at it like a hundred years, almost a hundred years later, like there are college classes that teach about jazz. So I kind of just view Everpedia as being ahead of the curve and providing scholarly information on a bigger scale like that. So what's your favorite beer? My favorite beer. Um, that's a great question. I really like. I had this, I was in Denver two weeks ago, um, and I had this great graham cracker pilsner. It was like literally made with graham crackers. I forget the name of it. It was like some local brew, but it was just, it was, it just hit the spot so well, but it was in, it was in Denver. I don't know the exact name of it, but it was just like a microbrewery pilsner. I wish, I wish I had the exact name, but whatever that beer was, that's my favorite beer. Um, honestly, like my first beer was, a. other than that, my first beer was a Heineken. And so, like, I kind of have an affinity to Heineken's just because, because of that. Um, I, I really do like Heineken's. And well, now you're speaking his language. Yeah. Now you're speaking my. You're speaking in my language. That's right. That's like Heineken's my go-to. Yeah. When it comes when it comes on, to on beer. the other hand, I feel like you shouldn't be able to see through your beer. I mean, I'll still drink a Budweiser if somebody hands me one, but you know yeah. what? I, <laughs> the brown beers are good, but everybody likes a nice cold blonde now and then. Yeah, I remember in college, <laughs> they had this IPA uh, in Massachusetts that was like 9%. I forget the name. Of it. it was like, it was something with a monkey. I forget the name of it. But it was Holy like, shit. it was a 9% <laughs> IPA, like, in a challenge for us because you finished the whole six-pack of it. 
Um, Jesus. By like halfway through, you're, you're just like done. <laughs> I wish I wish I wish I had the name of it. You know, here in De- here in Detroit, they'd probably call that Spank Monkey or some shit. Spank Monkey. Ah, forget the name. Of it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to look that up later. But it was like a few years ago. But yeah, um, so yeah, I'm glad to meet another Heineken man. Um, really like Heineken's. <laughs> Damn straight, damn straight. Damn I might straight. Go, go crack one open here in a second. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. H- have you ever spent crypto or used a Bitcoin ATM? The first time I bought Bitcoin, was with a, it was with a Bitcoin ATM. And I remember, really? like it, yeah, I was trying to get into the Tezos ICO and like I was, it was taking too long <laughs> for me, <laughs> to, for me, for Coinbase to approve me. So I'm just like, Fuck it, I'm just gonna go to an ATM. So like I went to an ATM, bought like Bitcoin must have been like I think like twenty seven hundred or twenty nine hundred then. Um bought some Bitcoin, bought some Tesa, <laughs> participating in the Tezos ICO. And I was just like looking back, I wish I bought like Tezos futures instead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because <laughs> they they had the Tezos futures on HBTC, but like the Tezos was just locked up and like there's all that drama happened over the year, but they like finally figured out their shit. Um, and then like I got my Tezos, um, and I I really I really like the the woman how like she's she really takes command of that community. Like I'm not too sure what's going on. Uh, her name's Catherine Brightman. I gotta give her credit for like the work she done from like I feel like she did, had a lot to do with like saving it. I mean she wasn't the only one, but I feel like Tezos like could easily not not be here right now. So I gotta give credit where credit's due. And also she's right. from Jersey, so like she's from North Jersey, like where I'm from. So like I'm I'm proud of that as well. So what was the ATM the Bitcoin ATM experience like? Because we we I've used uh coin flip ATMs and I'll tell you what, their interface was really easy to use. So I'm curious as to how quick and how easy and what the fees were like when you used yours. The fees were ridiculous. It was back in 2017. I don't really, I remember the experience being easy. It was really random because the ATM was, was in like some coffee shop. Um, I think it's definitely a really cool way for people to get involved. Like I think like the easiest, if people are interested in it and they want to like be in crypto, like you don't really have to do that much to be in crypto. All you have to do is like buy a little Bitcoin and hold it. Um, I think, the one thing, but I found the experience to be really easy with the Bitcoin ATM. Hell yeah. I feel like people try to overcomplicate things with crypto because they just assume that blockchain and crypto is complicated. Cause it's just like, Oh, like how does the blockchain work? Like, Oh, like what are, what do all these different coins meet tokens being blah, blah, blah. But it's actually quite simple. It's just like gold. Like you don't really know how gold works, but like if you want to own gold, you can just like buy some at your local pawn shop or whatever and just hold it. Bitcoin's, same thing. When was the last time you heard somebody say, how does my ATM or my de- my debit card work? No, they just no. put the damn thing in, it pays the bill and they walk away and they don't even, they forget how much they even use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then they overdraft. It's all about building those, uh, those extra layers on top of everything and getting it to, so the user interface is nice and sleek and easy to use. And there's, uh, there's some complications with, you know, interchain uh, compatibility and things like that. And, and that's all being worked out and, we're making progress. It's still so early. Yeah, man. It's just, it's right. We're right in the beginning here. It amazes me how like small the crypto space is, even at this point, even though like it definitely receded from like, you know, the conferences aren't as big as they were in 2017 and early part of 2018. But it's still so small, the community. Like, I feel like I know everyone in the crypto community in LA. Um, and then like, you, if you go to, I, I've been to a few conferences and I know people that go to a lot of conferences and they just see the same people. It's just, you, um, and you, I mean, and definitely on all these lineups, like whenever I see a lineup for like a crypto conference, it reminds me if I'm looking at a lineup for a music festival or something, you just always see like <laughs> the same big name stars, whether it's like Pomp or like, um, Charlie Shram or like, you know, like it's, it's just, you know, you know how it is. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of repetitiveness in the, in the crypto conference space. And that's like, we've only been to a few of them and I've already started to see a lot of the, you know, the crossover. Yeah. Like, especially, like you say, on the speakers, it's a lot of times it's the same people. I mean, those conferences are really meant for networking. Um, exactly. I like, I, I was back in New York, New Jersey, visiting family in May, and uh, I went to Consensus for a bit. Um, and that was actually a really great conference, really well put together, um, made a lot of connections there. Um, 
that was a cool conference, a consensus conference. And honestly, the there's conferences happening in Singapore next week between Coin Telegraph and uh, Coin Market Cap. They're having conferences. Uh, Everpedia's president and co original co-founder Sam Kazemian is speaking in Singapore at the Capital Conference, which is the Coin Market Cap conference. So. I think everybody should go see what he has to say. He always has something interesting to say, honestly. Um, but yeah, the conference circuit is like, it, it's, inter- I feel like there's only like a few conferences like really worth going to. The ones in Singapore this week seems like definitely like one of them. Nice. That'd be sweet. I wish, I wish we could go to that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just did two in a row and we're all like, shit, nice. man. We're trying to, trying to recover, trying to yeah. get back in the swing of things and trying to figure out what we're even thinking. And half the time, <laughs> my brain's not even functioning today. And I've, I've been out of there for a week now. I'm sure at the conferences, you were able to recruit like a lot of people uh, to be on your podcast. Like that's how I met you guys. Right. Yeah. We're, we're booked out through. So as we were recording the first like 10 minutes of the show, we just booked the last slot in December. So we're out into January now. Wow. Yeah. So I, I'm happy. Uh, uh, I got on it in uh, November the 5th of all days. Yeah. At least it wasn't like three months having to wait to talk to you. So yeah. <laughs> by then sometimes to be honest, you'll get, you'll get to that point like a name will pop up. And Who is this? <laughs> like if they haven't included their Twitter handle or something, sometimes just that name is like, shit who the, and then you, and then as soon as they join and you hear their voice or see their face and it's like all oh, comes back oh, i remember this yeah 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 but yeah it's, uh, <laughs> especially when those some of those people that you've just had like a quick one or two minute interaction with and and that's it so what i liked about the las vegas conference was there's was a lot of media there like a lot of guys in their own podcasts or like blogging and stuff and did you see the crypto wild west guys yes yeah oh, they, they were great i, I love doing their their pot, their interview, like they gave me a cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they gave me, they interviewed us too. So we were yeah. sitting there, standing there with our cowboy hats on. And <laughs> yeah, the one thing I really love about the crypto space is just like it really unites people across different cultures and different backgrounds. Like, like what, like people that would not normally interact with each other on um, in normal day to day life, like or like run into. Uh, they're interacting in the crypto space at these conferences. Like, I don't think I would ever meet anyone from Texas. <laughs> Uh, or from Texas, like from like small town Texas, like that. If I wasn't in crypto, and they weren't in crypto, you know. So yeah, I mean, crypto really brings so many people together from all over the world too, because people fly in from all sorts of places. And, yeah, and yeah. so it's having these opportunities to like physically network and and, and meet face to face. Because when you, when you talk online, you know, you, it's never the same. When you when you actually get to meet in person and shake that person's oh, hand. Yeah, you, it's, Different you gain a different sense of yeah. everything. It's yeah, it's great. Different vibe. Yeah, that's like, like crypto is just so global and international. Like I'm always talking to someone like from a different continent, whether it's for work or just just to make made friends or something. Um, and it's just so interesting because we have to deal with you know nation states and borders, and you you see like what's happening in the U.S. Like all the companies, crypto companies are fleeing. Their head, like the U.S., like they're moving their headquarters elsewhere. Like you just had Poloniex, uh, that's moving out of the U.S. You just had a Huobi closing accounts for U.S. customers. Um, it seems like the U.S. is getting left behind, and Congress is just just sitting on their hands, doing nothing about it. Um, they're not giving the SEC any guidance. The SEC is just kind of like basing their um, rulings off of previous regulations and that's their job like what else are they going to do they're trying to do the best they can but um it's just tough because like you see all the innovation happening in asia you see like in asia they're like i feel like they're hopping on it so much faster and just feels like in the future and like people are just left behind here like you just definitely see it in the sentiment of 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 our of our governments like yeah the u.s government um you know uh crushed like had the t- um you had Mark Zuckerberg testify for Libra, and it was very confrontational, the tone of a lot of the uh, representatives. Um, and like, yeah, like Facebook's done their shit. So like, it, might, it may be well-deserved, but they were not really welcoming to the idea of a cryptocurrency at, at all. And it makes sense. If you look at the interests of the U.S. government, like the dollars, the head, like the economic hegemony of the world. So it, it's- Well, I mean, yeah. I think, I think the main reason for that is because if you look at corruption, it's probably a larger scale here in the United States than in most other countries. And because of the crypto space, those people with um, twisted agendas have the most to lose. Yeah. 
And so, you know, we're being, we're being faced with a whole lot of negativity. And I think a lot of it's because of that, because, you know, crypto is about leveling the playing field, right? It's about giving Uh everyone an equal opportunity to, you know, to excel at at a number of different things, not just money, but that's never been the stance in the United States when it comes to politicians and political agendas, political agendas are always seem to be about what they can gain. from. Yeah. You know, because crypto is leveling that playing field and, and giving everybody that equal opportunity. I think there's a lot of threat being felt by the powers that be. Yeah, exactly. Like you have all these companies doing ICOs. Like, I mean, I'm sure you have your scams and whatnot, but like, let's say if there's like a legitimate project doing a legitimate ICO, and you're a U.S. citizen, and you want to participate in it. Like, you, you can't because that comp- that won't uh, the wherever that uh, ICO is based, they don't want to deal with U.S. citizens. And like, it feels like I feel bad for the American retail investors. Like, they want to participate in it, but they're just being left behind. And then you have China with uh, Xi and his blockchain speech last week or a few weeks ago, um, like it completely embracing blockchain. Um, and then in, like within a week of that speech, you have all these different Chinese cities with their blockchain initiatives. And it's not like the hottest chain thing in China. You even have a DAP where you can pledge your loyalty to the Communist Party on the, <laughs> on the blockchain. Like, all this in, in, in a week. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you can just see the difference in the mindset. It, we're, I mean, and, and the U.S. is not alone in this, but we are so yeah. limited in advancements just based on legislation, you know, it's yeah. holding everything back and it always has, and it's going to for quite some time. I, I have to give why the state of Wyoming credit though, because they did pass, like they did pass laws that like define what a token is. They passed like 10 different laws uh, that were very favorable for cryptocurrency. Um, yes. so that direct differentiated them from securities. Um, if only uh, the, federal government would do the same thing. Like they are, so like Wyoming already did the work for us. You basically have to copy those laws. And Yeah, except nobody's going to take Wyoming seriously. Yeah. Which is the sad part. I'm really tempted just to move down south, you know, a few hundred more miles and go to Wyoming myself. I can be there in an hour. <laughs> right? But I, I, I think... I think it's more important for them to figure out if, if it should be considered drunk driving, riding a horse after drinking a couple of beers than worrying about the crypto space. You know, it's sometimes it just blows your mind on where the energies are put at. Yeah. You know, I mean, seriously, I, I, I've heard of somebody actually getting a DUI, riding a horse while intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? I mean, you need a license to drive a horse? What? I know, yeah. right? Same thing. I mean, I've heard of people driving their lawnmower drunk and getting drunk driving. Well, Alan, you, know, you have uh, people on their birds and lines and their scooters and they get DUIs. We're riding <laughs> the scooter. It's crazy. That's great. But, yeah, no, I mean, to, to touch on that more, though, like Wyoming is the first, it's like the last state you think of when you, when you would, if somebody said, what do you think, which state do you think is going to embrace this revolutionary new technology first? Like, People would be guessing California and maybe Washington because, you know, Seattle or, or uh, New York, but they're not going to say Wyoming. You mentioned California. I believe they're considering uh, regulations similar to the New York bit license law. So they would be going in, in the option. <laughs> right, exactly. Like I, the craziest thing about the bit license is the guy who wrote the regulation now works in, works in the private sector. And he's consulting for crypto companies and companies to uh, get approved for the bit license. And it's just like the most, it seems like the, like the shadiest thing ever. And it doesn't seem like the, it just seems like the bit license, like yeah, the common sense regulation that needs to exist, but like, it seems like the bit license is definitely seems like too intrusive and stifling innovation. Like you see so much, like you, you can trade at this exchange in the U.S. except you're in New York. So. Even the people in New York even have it worse than everyone else, and that's the financial capital of of the world, uh, arguably. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I mean, like New York, from a, a legislation standpoint in general, just tends to micromanage everything. You know? Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't understand that. But yeah. as time goes on and people start shifting their mindsets a little bit, maybe that will improve too. I don't know where we go with this uh, in the future, but. You know, we, we can we can hope for the best, right? Yeah, 
I think it's just up to Congress taking the initiative to set up clearly defined definitions of what a token is, what a cryptocurrency is. Um, I think it's that simple. Um, and I feel like at this point, at this rate, they won't do it until it's too late. <laughs> so I really hope they yeah. get on it. So is the pattern, right? Yeah, so is the pattern. So tell us about the cop that pulled you over and asked you about the shirt that you were wearing. Yeah, what shirt were you wearing? Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. So that, okay, so everybody knows the D.A.R.E. logo. I'm actually wearing a D.A.R.E. shirt right now, believe it or not. My no way. Shirt. I swear. I'm wearing That's a Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really, <laughs> you really digged into in, into my story. Um, so the D.A.R.E. shirt is like the D.A.R.E. logo everybody knows. So instead of the D.A.R.E. logo, it says dope. And I just thought it was really ironic and funny because like, D.A.R.E. <laughs> Not to you. And so like and also my nickname at the actually I got it right before college and ironically like my nickname in college for a little bit was Dope Dave. It's another long story, but it's just really so I got this shirt and like I think I was like walking on the street and the cops like, Hey, what does that shirt say? And I'm like, Oh, it says dope and they I think they, they laughed at the shirt, I laughed at the shirt and they didn't hold me over. I think I was just like walking down the street or like walking somewhere. Um but yeah, that's the story behind that. That's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, this is all about the crypto campfire is about experiencing the community. So I think we're going to have to experience that story about how you got your nickname. How I got the dope Dave. Okay. So as you know, I'm like, <laughs> here we go. Music. Um, and so I had a friend that made music and he had like a kind of alter ego as a rapper. Um, and he was really talented, like very lyrical. Um, and I like was like, oh, you're you're really cool. Like, I love, you should let me manage you. And like, I was like 18, he was like 16, and he's like, sure. And I'm just like, if I'm gonna manage him, I should make a label. Like, what should my label be called? And I'm just like, I'm gonna call it Dope Dave Entertainment. And so then I told everyone, <laughs> I told everyone, everyone, I'm like the, I, in my dorm on my on my floor. I'm like, yeah, I'm like I had, I was really enthusiastic about it too. And like, and I think, yeah, I have this label, I have this artist, blah blah blah. And like people really bought it and like people really believed in it in it as well because I believed in it. And so then everybody just started calling me Dope Dave and DDE. And, uh, and I still like, I, I'm a man of many nicknames and that's one of my nicknames. And people have still referred to me that to this day. So <laughs> and <it laughs> that's amazing. Rolls off the tongue, tongue Dope Dave. Dope Dave Entertainment. Yeah, but now, now my nickname is Wavy Dave. <laughs> Wavy Dave. Wavy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How did you go from Dope Dave to Wavy Dave? I'm really right. vaporwave. Um, I've like been into vaporwave for like the past few years, and so that's how I got. And I my my the way that my fashion is like I take a lot of kind of nostalgia from the 80s and 90s, like brands from the 80s and 90s, and like incorporate it in my fashion. Like um, I'm sure like there's probably a few pictures on my Instagram of like some some vaporwave shirts. Um, there's one with like me with like a Microsoft uh, 95 logo. There's another one that, with crypto, Crystal Pepsi. So like my style nice. kind of reflects Wavy Dave. So what's your, what's your favorite 80s nostalgia logo? 80s nostalgia. Um, I was born in the 90s, but like I guess in, <laughs> I was born in the 90s. That's my well, you brought the 80s up, so yeah. I was going to quiz you I on that. Say, I just like um, kind of just like the – how people thought the future would be. I kind of just like, I, um, I guess like the crystal Pepsi would, be, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's from the eighties specifically. Um, I like the old McDonald's logo. I like, uh, I was, was the moon man. Was that, was the moon man in the eighties? Like when they had the moon man promotion, I'm not sure if that was in the eighties or seventies or nineties. I don't know. I can't remember, but I can't like, remember the moon man either. I, I, I just, I thought that was just like really cool. Um, something from the eighties. From the 90s for me, it's like Blockbuster, PlayStation. Yeah, Blockbuster, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Um, what What else is there? Like, uh, You remember the old Walkmans? Have you ever used an old Walkman that you had like a cassette that you would put in it? Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not that old, <laughs> but I, I really, no, I'm not that old. old. <laughs> I had like a CD. I remember. I, sorry. Oh, you had the CD Walkman. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I was like a, I must have been eight or nine. I had like a CD player, and like I like burned like songs on the CD. And then when I was ten, I'll never forget a sleepaway camp. Like I saw an iPod for the first time, and this one kid had an iPod, and everybody's like, "Whoa, what is that? That looks so cool!" And then everybody just had the iPods are like more of like my, oh, like kind of like my nostalgia and like an iPod <laughs> from like 
from when I was like nine, ten to when I was like fourteen, fifteen, whenever I got the iPhone. Right. Yeah. I just know that I was really freaking excited when I was able to get the the discman with the yes. anti skip. You know, yes. I had that like it would buffer like thirty seconds of your CD. Yeah. I was happy when I didn't have to carry my record player over to my friends. <laughs> I love it. your gramophone. And- <laughs> I love the iPod because of all the games on it. Like you could play uh, Atari on it. Uh, you could, uh, you could, there was like a music guessing game, and like you can guess like all the songs on your on your iPod and stuff. And I, the iPod definitely has a cool aesthetic to it. Um, I, I'm, I wonder when Apple will ever come out with like uh, like oh like sure like a million songs on like the on the retro iPod. Like I'm sure like one day they'll do that. Just it. <laughs> I don't know. Right, just have it like linked to a cloud and be like infinite <laughs> storage. Yeah. Have iPod with Wi-Fi. Right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that's, it's funny just thinking about the old devices and stuff because my first my first real smartphone was a BlackBerry Storm. My, my first kind of smartphone was a Palm Trio. And uh, that was like my first year of college, I think. And it was more of a PDA that can make calls. But the Storm, that was like the epitome of failure at touchscreen <laughs> technology like <laughs> i don't know if you ever used one of those or not but good god i didn't, i don't think I, I didn't use that but my first phone was a blue razor um in middle school and then oh, yeah, i, I actually razor. jumped in the pool with my razor and broke so my mom had an old pink razor and i was yes like, i was rocking the pink razor for like Dude, six months the pink razor is so iconic yeah it's I had, like yeah if I could think of three phones from that decade, I would think of the Razor. I would think of the LG Chocolate, and I would think of that one little the Sidekick. The, I think yeah, that sidekick. little one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, sidekick. I think the Sidekick was one is definitely one of the more iconic phones of that decade. Also, Black. Yeah, the Sidekick, and then there's like the Juke, and then there's the whatever. I can't remember what the hell they're called, but the first ones that had like the walkie-talkie built in. And uh, oh, like the next hell, yeah, yeah, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those. those <laughs> Speaking I of iconic say, advertisements, I had an XL until I think, um, nine, I want to say 2006. Ouch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how was that? Did you, did was it really irritating that people could just push a button and talk to you? No, actually, it was, I mean, it was kind of cool because you could basically talk to a bunch of people like spot. On, on the spot you know and not have to make a phone call and all that i don't know it was great for the work scene you know because i was in construction oh yeah that's true i guess there would be a good application there see i would have been in in high school or whatever probably when <laughs> right. those were first coming out so i remember when i was in high school everybody had a blackberry and i had an i got like a an iphone i got like one of the first i like a 3gs but everybody had a blackberry and it was on bbm so i felt so left out i've ever seen all these bbm groups and i'm just like alone in my iPhone land, but eventually <laughs> listen to this kid when I was in high school when I was in high school I had an audio vox 800 or something or other <laughs> fucking flip phone <laughs> I'm only like I must be only like four or five years older than you I had a phone the size of a fucking briefcase in my car right? what are you talking exactly. about <laughs> but it's hilarious oh uh, when you said car phone you reminded me of the Seinfeld episode with the car phone and that's definitely one of my favorite things from the 90s is Seinfeld. I find Seinfeld to be so iconic as a show. And I still quote it to this day. Nice, nice. Yeah. What's your favorite Seinfeld quote? Uh, these, these pretzels. Oh, there's so many. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Uh, I think can't stand you, Costanza. <laughs> can't stand you, Costanza. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's one nice, of my favorite ones. Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I actually... Funny story. At my at my bar mitzvah, I had a Seinfeld impersonator. I think it's one of the top things I've ever done for any party was get a Seinfeld impersonator. That's crazy. Yeah. So other than Seinfeld, what's the the TV show that you find most iconic from your childhood? Uh, SpongeBob, for sure. SpongeBob is yeah. the most like from my childhood. For... SpongeBob isn't a TV show. It's a cartoon. No, no, no. <laughs> That's where you're, I even watch it to this day. And what makes SpongeBob so genius is, although it's like meant for kids, like a lot of the jokes are for adults too. And you don't yeah. until you're older. Right. That's true. When my kids are watching cartoons, I'm like, 
I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they really knocked it out of the ballpark with that show because it's both enjoyable for kids and adults. And not only that, like SpongeBob, I think, still lives on through all the memes and meme formats you see on Instagram and Twitter. Like this is true. SpongeBob memes are some of the best. Yeah, like it's, I think that's probably one. I think you can rank SpongeBob next to Disney as one of the best like cartoons, cartoon characters of all time. Are you a SpongeBob <laughs> or Squidward? I'm SpongeBob for sure. For sure. What is <laughs> that? I because I kind of I'm like definitely more optimistic. I I view, view SpongeBob and Squidward kind of as like a yin and yang. Like it's so funny because they're like they both live have the same living situation. If you think about it, they both like work at like a some like dead end fast food place. If you're objectively looking at it, they both kind of have like very similar jobs. And SpongeBob kind of has this childhood innocence and childhood wonder about it. Like he's always happy and stuff. And Squidward is just like kind of, so he kind of represents like childhood and like Squidward kind of represents like the, like being like a depressed adult. Like he like hates the situation. He's like always down. He's like complaining, like blah, blah, blah. So like, I think like what made that show great is the dichotomy between SpongeBob and Squidward. <laughs> yeah. I'm right. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's more than a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. I've never thought so deeply about SpongeBob, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if totally lost the question. <laughs> totally He's lost. still thinking about SpongeBob. <laughs> oh, good lord. Um okay, so if you could pick any job in the world to have as your own from now until the time you are done working, what job would it be and why? Oh, it'd be the director of partnerships and exchanges at Everpedia. Oh, that's weak. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm having a great time. I mean, this is like the only. That's cool, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was kidding. That would. That's really cool, though. No, no, for sure. Crypto is doing that for a lot of people, enabling people to work in what they would actually call their dream job. Yeah, I feel like being with in startups and like when I first joined Everpedia till now, I've kind of like made my own job in a way, in a sense that like I saw that needed to be done, and like I just did it. And like, I, I kind of just took initiative that way. Um, like no one asked me to like get partnerships at first, but then um, early on, I actually started locking down like last year around this time, I started locking down pretty big partnerships. Um, one one of the biggest ones I got last year was with uh, this DJ, uh, his name's Excision. He's arguably one of the biggest DJs in the world. Um, you can look him up. He has like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers on social media, main stage uh, and so he had this thing called Artist of the Week, Artist Spotlight of the Week, and he would highlight an up-and-coming artist. And so I was, I'm friends with people on this team, and I'm just like, hey, you should like, you should tweet out the Everpedia pages too. And so I already had all these Everpedia pages for these artists. I would just kind of like fix them up, and they, he actually thought it was cool too. His name's Jeff. Jeff thought it was cool too, and he actually would tweet out, he would tweet out the artist, he would tweet out their SoundCloud, and then he would tweet out the Everpedia page and share it on their story. And that was like, oh, one that's of the, cool. Wow, that's yeah. amazing, man. Yeah, so that was like the first big partnership I got. And from there, like this week, uh, I mean, last week, uh, we announced our partnership with Brave Browser, which I'm really excited about. I, I was uh, working on that since the summer. Um, and right now we're starting it off as like as a co-marketing partnership. So we're going to each be involving other communities, whether it's us making Everpedia pages for Brave publishers and creators, and sharing them on our social media and beyond and up front page our website, uh, giving them the recognition that they deserve but don't get from Wikipedia, we'll be doing. And then whether it's on the Brave side, um, we're going to be like featured in their podcasts, AMAs, we're going to have Everpedia ads on Brave. So it's just really cool um, uh, kind of mutual beneficial partnership collaboration we have going on with Brave. And I'm excited about it. I see it's the first step into something bigger. And so, We'll see how that goes. You sound really excited about it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some, some Everpedia things pop up on my screen there from Brave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We will. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's your, what's your handle for just let everybody know your handle so uh, they can go follow you? Yeah. So Everpedia is at Everpedia on Twitter, Everpedia official on Instagram, Everpedia on Facebook. My personal handles, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Dave said that underscore. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Dave doing things underscore. Um, 
and find me. You can find join our Telegram group for Everpedia at Everpedia. Um, yeah, that's uh, if you want to reach out, just hit us up. Sweet, it was awesome having you on the show. Sweet, this is a lot of fun. I like the conversation we had. Oh yeah, and we we yeah. could easily go longer too because there's uh, <laughs> if, we, if we weren't already at an hour, I'd be uh, we'd be getting a little bit deeper on Everpedia because I've got some more questions. So we we might have to line up another one of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I can definitely sure. go deeper on SpongeBob and the philosophy behind. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll get yeah. there too. Yeah. <laughs> just depends. All right, man. Thanks for joining right. us, David. It was Thank fun talking so with you, and uh, look forward to time. seeing you at another at another convention. Sounds good. Hopefully, we can do another one there. We can have a sequel. Hey, you know, you know, keep keep your eye on us, um, because we're gonna be doing some meetups here in the Midwest too, uh, cool. some sometime over the next few months. So keep your eye out on that, and uh, definitely love to have you at one of those. Whereas we're gonna be doing some real live campfires and drinking beer, and yeah, this is gonna be pretty sick. For sure, like I, I hope I can like find my way out there and join, be around a real campfire. Sounds like a plan. All right, brother. Have a good night. Thanks. Take it easy. You too. Bye. Well, that was fun. It was. I need to spend some more time on Everpedia because I, yes. I I'm like taken back to the old days of when Wikipedia was first becoming pop- popular, which uh-huh. I think was middle school or early high school. I can't, I can't remember. And just sitting there, it was kind of like getting lost in YouTube rabbit holes, but with Wikipedia articles. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to, I'm excited to go do that on Everpedia. So- Basically, it's just like Wikipedia, but it's decentralized then. Yeah, and I guess I guess the other big thing, like he was saying, is that they allow articles for things that wouldn't necessarily be given or allowed their own article on Wikipedia. So I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to learn more and playing with you know, a little bit. This freaking fogginess in my head today. I, I'm so glad we had this podcast tonight. I, it's like it just all went away, right? It did. And I, I just really needed this and to get back into the swing of things. So I'm getting excited. Can't wait for the rest of the week. We got some pretty awesome guests coming on. So getting excited about that. Never a dull moment. We'll see what happens. And, you know, a big shout out to uh, our sponsors, CoinFlip, for sponsoring us and taking it, taking a chance with us. I uh, really appreciate these guys. And if you guys are looking to use an ATM, by all means, look them up. See if you can find one close to you. It's well worth the travel to it. Uh, their fees are the lowest in the industry, and their interface is pretty sick. Yeah, I don't know. There's something so, I don't know, it's almost exciting to be able to go to a Bitcoin ATM and turn your Bitcoins into real money, uh, turn your Bitcoins into dirty fiat. Right. I almost <laughs> did that in Vegas. I was like, yo, Dustin. So I, get, so I can go take out some cash out some Bitcoin. <laughs> so glad I didn't. <laughs> and on that note, all right, guys, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Look forward to our next episodes and the release of many more coming your way. Keeping it real every day. The professor's killing it. Back in the swing of things, we got some more editing coming around. So. Right on. All right, guys. Have a good night. We will talk to you soon. Take it easy. Peace.